Hey everybody, welcome to your weekly sermon from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am really glad you decided to join me today. I have something I know is going to be a it's going to be a blessing to you because it, it was very eye-opening and very challenging and encouraging and instigating to my own life. There's so much stuff um, in this particular set of scripture verses. Uh, we'll stick with uh, what I have, but there's so many things that else that could come from this. It's such a powerful Bible account, but um, I hope you're doing well in the midst of all this stuff that's going on. Remember, you learned a couple weeks ago how to stay calm in the chaos, and you learned last week that the battle's not yours. So you're able to have calmness in the midst of all this. Listen to that sermon and learn how, and you're able to win every battle because it's not yours. Listen to last week's, and you'll learn how and know that the battle's not yours. It is the Lord's, but we have to determine to recognize that and actually give it to him. Amen. Well, this week, we're going to be in the book of Joshua, and I think this has a lot to do with uh, where many of you may be right now as well. So I'm going to title this, Be Strong and Courageous. Be Strong and Courageous. And that's something that all of us as men and women of God need to be in this time that we are in with all the chaos that is going on, with all the absurdities and all the evil that's spreading across our land and all the what I believe to come is the attack on Christianity. There's going to be there, there, there's going to be a, a a a place where we need to really take our position to stand strong, to be strong and courageous. And we're going to be in the book of Joshua, chapter one, and we're going to be in verses one through nine. So I'm not instead of reading all of them right now at the beginning, just to save some time. I will go through each of these verses and then we'll break them down and look at them and see what the Word of God is talking to us about. Well, when we come into this account of verses 1 through 9, we see this is where Joshua and the Israelites, they're waiting at the border of the Promised Land. That's the place, remember, that God had prepared for them. They left, uh, they got out of uh, slavery in Egypt and they followed Moses into the desert. But because of their disobedience, that was a long and arduous journey. And that's what, uh, that's what disobedience and unbelief will bring into your life. It'll make things a lot harder. Well, they were unwilling to trust God. After all God had done for them, they found themselves stuck in the place that they didn't want to be, unable to enter the promised land for 40 years. For 40 years, they did not get in. They waited to get into what God had promised them to do. And that's where we are, and that's where we find ourselves as we come into verse 1 and verse 2, which I'll read first. And it says this, it says, After the death of Moses, so Moses, Moses has now passed away. It says, The servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, he said in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. And I've often, and maybe you've asked this question before, why couldn't Moses enter the promised land after being such a faithful and an effective leader? Well, you can read in Numbers chapter 20, verse 12. You can read in Numbers chapter 27, verse 14. 
and you can read in Deuteronomy 3.26, and we'll see in there there's one major theological truth again and again in the history books of the Old Testament is that when God reveals uh, to someone what to do, but they slightly change it, the result is judgment. God is no respecter of persons. When Moses publicly disobeyed God, he reaped the consequences and one of those consequences what he did not to get he did not get to enter into the promised land i could preach a whole sermon on that disobedience unbelief um, disobeying god it will hinder your walk with him it'll keep you from getting to where you're supposed to be it may even keep you from achieving all that god wants you to achieve in your relationship and your work within the kingdom while you're here on earth so we need to be very very aware of that so the baton then is passed on to Joshua, and we see that the Christian life is like a relay race in which each runner passes the baton on to the next runner. Moses is dead. The baton is passed to Joshua. Jesus would describe this uh, as he does in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 uh, as disciples who are making disciples. He said, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. So it's disciples making disciples. He was Moses' assistant. Moses poured into him. Paul described it this way. The things which you have heard from me, the things which you, Timothy, have heard from me, Paul, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So there's this big thing about passing on the knowledge that we have learned as we grow in years giving it on to someone else and passing the baton and letting them begin to run the race. So Joshua had walked in the footsteps of Moses for 40 years. In effect, he was being discipled for 40 years by Moses, one of the greatest figures in the Bible. And doing so with, we don't see anything in this for the whole 40 years, he is being discipled and he's a servant, assistant of Moses. We see no recorded complaints and we see no recorded envy or jealousy. So what was he doing? What does that say about his character? It says that he was listening and he learned. He was listening and he learned. He was listening and he was not complaining, not trying to go around spread rumors about him or being jealous of him because he's got power and I don't. He listened, he sat there and he learned and he let himself be discipled and learn how to live for God. So, and as alluded to earlier, although we don't know, this is mind blowing, although we don't know the exact age of Joshua, he is probably around 80 to 85 years old at this time. Whoa, 80 to 85 years old, and he's leading a military force into hostile territory. So when we hear this, remember, we're thinking this is a young man. He's not a young, he's 80 to 85 years old, leading a military force into a hostile territory right? Isn't that powerful? You're never too old for God to use you to do something great for the kingdom of God. Your days have not run out, no matter what age you're at. Get up, get busy for God. Arise, let God use you for something great. So he goes on to say in that verse, now therefore arise, cross this Jordan. In other words, like I just said, get up. It's time to stop wandering and start winning. It's time to stop staggering and start possessing your possessions. And that's what God's saying to him. This command sounds simple, uh, but in Joshua 3.15, we read this about the Jordan River. The Jordan overflows all its banks all the days of the harvest. And it's harvest time as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And in some areas, they say it would be up to a mile wide. Whoa, think about that. 
So this is not some, you're going to be strolling through a stream. This is a river. This is a river that is overflowing its banks and it, during the days of harvest. And that's when they're, that's the time that God picked for them to go into the promised land. You know why? Because he's going to show them that it's all about God, that only God could get it done. There's another sermon in that. Um, I think about this. I, I look all around me and I see Christians who are constantly defeated constantly defeated being in the in the ministry for as long as i have and you know being in a, a pastoral position for the many years that i did uh you see so many people that are so always defeated they're struggling with sin and for all intents and purposes are wandering around in their own spiritual wilderness but it doesn't have to be that way God has a place of victory and he has promised us that we can live in that place of peace and blessing. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and, th and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. We don't have to live in this state of depression or discouragement. God has a place of victory for us that he has promised to us. So that he's going to push them into the promise that he had for them. And I believe with all my heart right now that God did not save you to see you live in defeat. God did not save you. He did not save me for us to live defeated. Most of the time we are defeated simply because we refuse to walk in victory. I said sometimes most of the time we are defeated because we refuse to walk in victory. I believe there's a place of conquest for every child of God today that we can claim for our own. And these next few verses are going to tell us what we need to remember as we set out to claim our own Canaan land, our own promised land. Please listen to this. It's going to give you the vital keys to be strong and courageous and to overtake and take hold of what God has promised you. So we look at another thing. It's very, this is very interesting. Uh, the land that God had given to Israel was about 300,000 square miles, but they only claimed 30,000 square miles of that. Um, of course, they were not limited to the 300,000. They were given as much as they were willing to claim. The extent of their victory was only limited by their faith. And the same is true with us. The extent of their victory was only limited by their faith. I think some of us need to be praying bigger prayers. And there's things that we need to be stepping out into faith. This, you're going to see, was a huge step of faith. Remember, he is faced with now leading this and faced with this overflowing river that they had to cross. They didn't have the modern things of today, like boats and things, like, you know, jump in a canoe or whatever, get in rafts. They didn't, this was not available to them, at least where they were at that moment. And so this is going to be a supernatural thing that only God can do. He says, go over the Jordan, the river which you now have in full view before you, on the banks of which you are now encamped. Get up and go over the Jordan. And that's a command. Do it now. And I'm sure this was a difficult trial to Joshua's faith to be called upon to make immediate preparation for crossing a river that was now overflowing its banks. So God just said, get up, get across there with all this laying before him and all this difficulty laying before him. This is going to be a, this is going to test his faith. 
This is going to test his confidence in God's promises. And a lot of times that's what happens to us. But we need to know what God has promised, God will bring to pass. We just need to do what it takes to get all this stuff going. Amen. So he was provided with, uh, unprovided with all the ordinary means, like I said a little bit earlier, of whether of boats or bridges. They just had to figure, here's the thing. It wasn't about them trying to figure out a way to get over. They needed to just listen to God. And we're going to say, follow God's directions. And God always has a way to get you and to find you the victory. So God had given them the command. So Joshua could not doubt that God would open up a way for the people even if it would be by separating the waters and repeating the miracle of the Red Sea again. He has to have that confidence in himself, in God, not in himself, but in God, knowing who God is, what God's promised, and he's already seen God do these things. Remember, he saw the entire Red Sea, uh, uh, literally waters were held up, gave them a way to pass through. He's seen these miracles. He's seen them fed uh, in the desert. He's seen all these things take place. So sometimes we see things God does in our lives and we forget about it and then we get into a place of unbelief again. He needs to stay in that place of faith, faith in God, knowing what God is capable of doing and knowing what God has promised him. Amen. So we come into verse three. It says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. So we're going to look at possessing your possessions by walking forth in O obedience. And in this verse, let me read it again. Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I, God saying, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. So God's sovereignty is emphasized here, but man's responsibility is also emphasized. God's way is not let go, let God, but more accurately, let God, let's go. Amen. Personal Personal passivity has no place in the walk of faith uh, and obedience. You can't be passive. You've got to be a person of action. You've got to get, he's saying, get up, go, cross over the Jordan. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how difficult it might be. Don't try to figure it out in yourself. Let me work it out for you. So the land is given to the people of Israel. Just as life in Christ is made available, to you and me absolutely without effort on our part. So God's going to make a way. This is difficult in their own eyes, but with eyes of faith, believing in God, the difficulty is not going to be there because God's going to make a way. That's how God operates. He made a promise. He's going to He's going to come through on that promise. And all they got to do is do the simple things you're going to see. And one of the first ones is to be obedient, to carry out their responsibility in this whole matter. So in the third verse, we'll notice that although the land has been given, it still needs to be possessed. It's been given, it's been promised, but it still needs to be possessed. The title to it is the gift of God. Possession of it is the result of an obedient walk. Let me say that again. Title to it is the gift of God. Possession of it is the result of an obedient walk. Again, we started with this disobedience will get you on a wayward path. If you stay obedient to God and to his word and to his word to you and his promises to you that lie within his word, you stay obedient, you will stay on course. 
You will, you will see possession of what God has promised you, but it has to do with an obedient life. So the idea is you can have all that you will take, and that all has to do with faith. We can have every bit of the spiritual life that we want. We will never get any more. God will never give you more than you are ready to take. And that's a very powerful thing to learn. So listen to this. I highlighted this. If you're not satisfied with the degree of your real experience of victory, it's because you haven't really wanted any more. Whoa. If you're not satisfied with the degree of your real experience of victory, it's because you haven't really wanted any more. This really... Uh, when I begin to write all this down, it really begin to challenge me and challenge me in my own life. You can have all that you want. He said, every place where the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Amen. So reflecting that on us, the Lord has set before each of us in his body an open door that nobody can close. We're called to walk through that door by faith to claim new territory for the Lord. Amen. How encouraging is that to you? He said, I have given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. So, so this verse speaks of the dichotomy of two truths, God's sovereign pleasure to give whatever he desires to whomever he desires, and man's responsibility to possess the possessions which have been given to him by God's grace. And I'm going to say this right now. I just had a good friend of ours who wrote us and said that she's so blessed by our sermons. And she goes, what I got to do is I, I can't grasp all of it at once. She, she goes, because I'm a slow learner. So she goes, I have to listen to it over and over again. I want you to listen to this sermon over and over again, because otherwise, if I took three hours to do it, I can't do that. So in the time I'm taking, I want you to go back over it again and get this stuff down in you. Write it down get some notes, get this in you. So let me read it again. This verse, I've given it to you just as I spoke to Moses. This verse speaks of the, of the dichotomy of two truths. God's sovereign pleasure to give whatever he desires to whomever he desires and man's responsibility to possess the possessions which have been given to him by God's Grace. God gives, but man still must lay hold of what God gives. God gives, but man still must lay hold of what God gives. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Verse four, it says this, from the wilderness uh, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Here's the thought. God promised Israel a huge amount of land. Now think about the huge spiritual life, so to speak, which God promises believers in Ephesians 1.3, where Paul says the Father has, quote, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Amen. Now think about your life, um, your past life as a believer. How much of this incredible gift of abundant life in Christ have you possessed? How much of this incredible gift of abundant life in Christ have you possessed? It, it's challenging, right? And it's notable that the large, grab this real quick, it's notable that the largest portion of the promised land which Israel possessed 
was during the time the kingdom was undivided and under the wise, godly leadership of David and Solomon in Solomon's earlier years. Sadly, as you know if you've read your Bible, Solomon failed to finish the race strong and remained wholly devoted to Yahweh. Instead, his heart was divided between Yahweh and idols, and almost symbolically, God judged his divided heart by dividing his kingdom. So here is the application of this question for all of us. Is my Christian walk like David and Solomon, referring to Solomon in his early years, was my, is my Christian life like that? Or have I repeatedly disobeyed God's commands and thus failed to possess all of the abundant life promised to me in Christ? If the latter is the case, who is to blame? Not God, it's on me. My contention as I'm giving you this sermon today, is that if you're reading this and you have failed to possess most of your possessions in Christ, and that to some degree that's all of us and my, me as well, it's not too late to step out in faith and obedience. It's never too late to get it right. No, understand, God has great promises for you earthly, I mean, just in the heavenly realm that can be brought down into your earthly realm. God has has made a way for all of us to have our, our own individual promised land, so to speak. But we have not, some of us have not even crossed over into it. Some of us have not gotten far enough into it. It takes a life of faith. It takes a life of true obedience. Let's make a decision. I'm not even halfway done with this. Let's make a decision right now that we're going to start living a life of faith in God and God's promises, and we're going to walk this out in absolute obedience to God's word. Listen, David's obedience was not perfect, and yet God allowed him to possess much of the promised land. So, and, and same with us. While our obedience will never be perfect, we can resolve, enabled by the Spirit of God, to henceforth walk in such a manner worthy of the Lord so that every place the sole of our foot treads, we will possess the abundant life in Christ. I'm not giving you a prosperity message. I'm talking to you about abundant life, peace, hope, joy, amen, in your life, in your family, in your, in your every day. When our, listen, our, again, our obedience is not perfect, but when we resolve to begin to walk as an obedient man or woman of God, enabled by the Spirit of God, we can then walk in a manner worthy of the Lord so that every place that our soul, that a soul of our foot treads, we will possess the abundant life that God has for us in Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. That is awesome. So now we come into verse 5 says, no man shall be able to stand before you. This is, this is unbelievable. Think about this. He's giving him this promise. No man, no man, no one, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. 
I asked this question, has, how many commanders have ever received such a word of assurance that they would win every battle all the days of their life? What a promise. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Listen, if Joshua was timid or wavering at all in his life, this particular promise from God was what he needed to hear. This is coming from God to him. The sovereign God of the universe is saying to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. The all-powerful God does not say most will be able, most will not be able to stand but no man at all will be able to stand before Joshua. No man at all. And this promise comes with a lifetime guarantee. A lifetime guarantee. Wow. Victory is assured. This is very, this is very important to grab. Victory is assured not because Joshua is a great leader or because Israel is a great nation, but because God is a great God, and he says to Joshua, I will be with you. This is enough for any man seeking to do God's will. Think about it. What he's going to talk to Joshua about, amen, he's not excluding you in this. God will be with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You Listen, you never have to lose a battle. You, are, you will and should always be victorious in whatever battle comes along your life, whether it's with your flesh, whether it's with the things of the world, or whether it's with the devil. You have the opportunity to always be victorious. Amen. Because God has promised you and he is your mighty God and your mighty protector. Amen. God told Joshua that he would not leave him or forsake him. Now, when you look in the Hebrew language, the negative comes first here and makes the thought even stronger. It says it this way, not will I leave you and not will I forsake you. He's making a point here that I am not going to ever leave you and I am not going to ever forsake you. So the order of the words emphasize the fact that no matter how difficult Joshua's circumstances might become, God would not leave and God would not forsake sake. Don't ever think that God's not with you in the midst of even the most difficult circumstance because God is with you. He will not forsake you. He was as committed to Joshua as he was to Moses. And I wonder how many of you could use that same kind of commitment from God today. Well, you know what? You already have it. God has made that same, if you're a child, truly a child of God, God has made that same commitment to you. Do you see why I titled it Be Strong and Courageous? We're in the midst of all this craziness going on, all this evil happening in our nation. We do not have a reason to be timid. We do not have a reason to be afraid. We can still possess all of our possessions, even in the middle of this man-made inflation, even in the middle of all this stuff going on. We, as men and women of God, can still possess our possessions that God has promised us if we stay true to God, we stay obedient, we stay in his word, and we follow him and know in our hearts 
that in any battle, whatever comes along, it's not going to stop us because God's with us. God will never leave us and God will never forsake us. There's power to do everything that God has asked us to do. Listen, the enemies, all those spiritual giants out there, they cannot stand before you. They cannot stand before me. If you go against them in the name of Jesus, if you claim his power, you will always have the victory. So living victoriously is not your responsibility. It is rather your response to God's ability. Let me say that again. Living victoriously is not your responsibility. It is rather your response to God's ability. Need to write that one down. Verse six says, here we go with our title, be strong and courageous. It says this several times to him. Be strong and courageous for you, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. In other words, he's saying, man up, Joshua, the victory is guaranteed. The success, abundant life, the prosperity, which God promised had their source, therefore, in God himself. Without God, there'd be defeat. With God, there's always success. But woven into this sovereign design of success for Joshua and the people was this human strand of the condition of their obedience. Obedience has so much to do with all of this in, in um, possessing your possessions. We, again, I'll repeat this again. When we get off, if you're in sin, you need to get it right, get back on the right pathway and get headed towards your promised land. Because when you get into disobedience, that's when problems come. Remember, Moses didn't make it into 40 years they wandered. He never got into the promised land because of his public disobedience to God. That's a terrible thing, but that's the truth of this. We've got to be obedient to God. We can't live any way we want. Got to, obedi- got to be obedient to the word of God. We need to be strong. He said, be strong and courageous. Listen, these are clear commands. These are not suggestions. God is saying, Joshua, and he's saying to you, be strong and be courageous. This is an imperative in this language. God is using this command. He issues it to Joshua. It's a call to be courageous, a call to be to obedient leadership. It's based on, and this is what it's based on. It's based on the absolute certainty of God's presence, or as we might say in New Testament terms, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who is against us? Romans 8, 31. In other words, he is commanding him, be courageous, walk in obedient leadership. And Joshua, you can base this all on the fact that my presence is always with you. If I'm for you, no one can be against you. He goes on to say that I swore to their fathers to give them. So in other words, what it's saying is that God had made them this solemn, immutable promise to all the patriarchs, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob and Moses. He made, and, and a truth, this is a truth that Joshua needed to keep uppermost in his mind so that he would never doubt the success of this assigned mission, that this was a promise that a solemn, immutable promise, a non-changing promise that could not be changed, that he gave to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. And so he needed to hold on to that, keep that uppermost in his mind, and let that build his faith. What God promised to them, that same promise is to me now, because God's telling me that. So I'm going to walk with obedience. I'm going to walk with courage. I'm going to walk with great faith and I'm going to walk in obedience to my powerful God. Possessions, possession was 
theirs for the taking, but Joshua had to lay hold by faith, a faith that was reflected in obedience to God's commands. Someone says, how do I, how do I do all this? It's very simple. You lay hold of it by faith, a faith that's reflected in your obedience to God's command. If you have faith in God, then you're going to listen and do what God says. Amen. So Joshua, at times afflicted with inadequacies, he's charged here with courage and strength. And I, and I, and I thought about this, and this is very true. It's when men are in this condition of knowing in themselves, we talked about this last week, that you're not capable of doing it yourselves. It's in this condition that God approaches men like this or women with the summons to undertake vast and overwhelming responsibilities. So he's talking to someone that could have a tendency to be afraid and timid. He's telling him, be strong and courageous. He's trying to get him over any inadequacy. So he charges him with courage and strength. It's that condition that we, when we get in and we know without God, we can't do any of it. That's when God can use us mightily. You can look at it this way. Most, most of us are too strong. We, we, we try to do things in our own power, and God can't use us like that. We are too full of our own schemes, our own plans, our own ways of doing things. But here's the key. God must empty us. He must humble us and bring us down to the dust of death so low that we need every straw of encouragement, every leaf of help, and then he will raise us up and make us the rod of his strength. The world looks at it opposite. We've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. You're supposed to be self-reliant, trust in yourself. We do not look at life that way. We trust in God. I don't trust in myself. I trust in God. If I hang with God, if I do what I'm supposed to do, then I will always be victorious and I will always take possession of what God has promised to me. Listen, the world talks about survival of the fittest. But God, it says, the Bible says, God gives power to the faint. He increases might to them that have not strength. He perfects his strength in weakness and uses things that are not to bring to naught things that are. So it, we live a life that's completely opposite from the world, right? We live a life that's completely, our mindset is different. God Again, I'll say it again. The world talks of survival of the fittest. God gives power to the faint and increases his strength in weakness. Okay, now we come into verse 7. And again, he repeats, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do, a, here we go again, according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left so that you may have good success wherever you go. So the key here to an abundant life is found in focusing on the word of God. The key to an abundant life, because he's telling him, you need to do all according to all the law that, the, that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it. Do not turn from it to the right or left. Don't get off course. You stay according to God's word that you may have good success wherever you go. So it behooves, and I'll say this about me as someone who teaches the word, it behooves every teacher and preacher to focus our efforts on the pure milk of the word because God gives 
no other source for true spiritual growth. It's not Christian books. It's not devotionals. It's not commentaries. It's his word for that. With that alone comes this promise. So will my word be, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, 6. It's not just hearing the word, but heeding the word, obeying it without hesitation, for this assures victory and blessing. I say to somebody out there, start getting into the word of God. Start reading and studying God's word. Time is short. Start now. Be a man or woman of the scriptures. Again, the key to victory is one's relationship to the word. The key to victory is one's relationship to the word. Joshua was flesh and blood, just like me and you. And here's the secret. Are you listening to me? He's flesh and blood, just like me and you. Everything that God demands of you, God supplies for you. Every command is a promise. Behind every command of God is the omnipotent power of God to carry out that command. Every God, everything God demands of you, God supplies for you. Every command is a promise. And behind every command of God is the omnipotent power of God to carry out that command. Listen, God doesn't want you to be strong in your own strength. God doesn't want you to be bold in your own strength. God doesn't want you to be obedient in your own strength. It's not my strength. It's his strength in me. Victory is God's doing. God gives the victory and then God promises us the victory. Amen. But not only is there a possession to possess, not only is there a promise to plead, but there's a person to prepare. And I ask you today, are you willing to say, I will, by the grace of God, be strong by the grace of God. I will be courageous by the grace of God. I will be obedient. I will, by the grace of God, be strong. By the grace of God, I'll be courageous. By the grace of God, I will be obedient. You're a person that God wants to prepare for everything that he has for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Come into verse 8, and we're coming to a close. We've got two more verses. Verse 8 says, here we go again, this book of the law. So Joshua had the first five books. So that's the book of the law. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, the word of God shall not depart from your mouth. For us, it's the word of God shall not depart from our mouth. But you shall, here's the key, he says, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, not some of it, but all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. That's how you find prosperity in life. You meditate on God's word day and night and be careful to do all according to what is written in it. So one of the keys to spiritual victory is the meditation upon the word of God. And note that God has already told Joshua to obey, and now he's going to tell him how to obey. So God has shown Joshua their possessions, told him to prepare, and now gives him the plan for taking the gift of the land, the key to victory and possessing Israel's possession. He's giving him the key now. It's meditation upon the word day and night. It is critical in the campaign 
against everything that's going on in this world today or those things that we do not see, those things in the unseen realm. Meditation upon the Word of God day and night is critical in the campaign against all those powerful enemy forces. Jesus gave the devil the Word. He always responded to him with the Word of God, and the devil could not find victory over Christ because Jesus was the living Word. You have the Word, and you're supposed to be meditating upon that Word in your life. That's how you truly walk. That's the key to having the victory and to truly obtaining everything that God has for you. That's how you be obedient. Joshua, this was a, this, for Joshua, he had to go against all these godless Canaanites. But for us, it's the relentless attacks from the godless world we live in, right? It is godless. This nation is turning godless. We, this fallen flesh, the deception of the devil, all of, all of which seek to steal, kill, and destroy our lives, seeks to prevent us from inheriting our promised life in Christ. Again, the book of the law is a reference to scripture, specifically for Joshua, Genesis through Deuteronomy, which was written by Moses and again, available to Joshua at that time. But we see these words, meditate on it. So in other words, read it with thoughtfulness, linger over God's word day and night. The Hebrew word for meditate is interesting. It means to mutter. In other words, we are supposed to mutter under our breath talk to ourselves about the word of God, interact with the issues of the word of God, read the word in the morning, whatever God's leading you to read. I'm in the book of Joshua right now. And then in your car on the way to work, pray a little, but also mutter over, contemplate, interact with, talk to yourself about what you just read, meditate on it, and then meditate on it throughout the day. Amen. Meditate it throughout your workday. Meditate on it. If the word, and if the word is not supposed to depart Joshua's mouth, the implication here is that when he is to proclaim, um, whenever he speaks, he is to proclaim God's word to Israel. So it's in him and it's supposed to come out of him. Same way with us. He's not only to have God's word in him that he might meditate on it, but he is to proclaim it because there is power in the proclaimed spoken word of God. God. No word from God is devoid of power. God's word, the Bible says, is sharper than a two-edged sword. God's word is like fire and a hammer which shatters a rock. God's word is the sword that the Spirit uses. There is power in speaking the very words of Scripture. I asked you, I asked myself, how many times lately have I used Scripture as my own personal battle axe? But that's what the word of God is. It fights our enemies for us. Get the word in you, meditate on it, follow it, live it out, and watch what God can do in your life. So we're supposed to ponder the word of God, not just quote it. We're to turn it over and over and over and over again in our minds. Let me read you a little, a little thing here. Meditation gives you knowledge about God. Obedience gives you knowledge of God. God's word is not just to inform, but to transform. God's word is not to make you a smarter sinner, but to make you more like Jesus. So it says you will have good success. And I talk about that's the true prosperity gospel. It's not talking of material success uh, as much as it is spiritual success. You will, you will enlarge yourself in the spirit. You stay in the word of God and you will 
It's like going to the gym and working out. You will grow spiritual muscles. You will get bigger. You'll get strong. You'll you'll start walking in more faith. You'll start walking in more victory. You'll talk different. You'll think different. You'll look different. You'll act different. You'll see things differently. Um, the Hebrew word for success translated in the Septuagint uh, with the Greek word synesis means to put together the pieces and make sense out of a set of facts presented to one's mind. You will have, you'll be able to put things together and you'll be able to see them come together and you'll see them practically work, practically work out in action in your life. And in the context of Joshua 1.8, the ability is integrally related to the constant intake, meditation, and practice of the pure milk of God's word. Stay in the word of God and you will have spiritual success. Stay and meditate, ponder, work it over and over and over. You will walk in abundant life and you will walk in great spiritual success. Amen. Hudson Taylor, the founder of China Island Mission, a great missionary who really affected all of China. He said this, God's work done in God's way will not lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way will not lack God's supply. Amen. And so in closing, in verse 9, he says, "Have I?" God says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Three times or three or so times he said this to him. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So this task that Joshua faced was huge. Remember, he's on the banks, rivers overflowing. He was as human as any man. And God knew his heart that he needed this reaffirmation. He knew that, he knew that Joshua needed to be affirmed here. Uh, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. He repeats to him again. Um, God's presence, in other words, was going to be with him wherever he goes. Joshua still had to fight the fight. Joshua still had to play his role, but he fought now with this mighty warrior by his side. And the Israelites were concluding this 40-year walk in the wilderness due to fear. Look at Numbers chapter 13, 31 through 33. What they saw as impossible kept them from doing what God had wanted and what was possible and what has been promised to them. Now the nation was once again on the brink of entering the promised land. A new leader stands before them. His frequent challenge from God is be strong and courageous. It's repeated four times in chapter one and expressed in slightly different terms in other verses. In other words, it's time for Joshua to get up and move out. Now is the time. They knew now what they were to do and they were supposed to get up and go do it. Listen, there will be times in our lives of obedience that our courage is going to be tested. And this is a time right now I, I still believe there's going to come great persecution against the church. We need to be ready. We need to be, we need to be men and women filled with faith. We need to be courageous. We need to be people of great belief, people of great action, people of great faith. God has put a task before us, no matter how difficult it may look to you. We need to know that our God is with us. He is our mighty warrior, our mighty protector. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He is right there with us in the midst of this battle. All he's saying is get up and go do it. And all we got to do is be obedient and walk according to the word and make sure that we are staying in God's word day and night, meditating upon it. And he says, we will have true success. And that success comes, I do believe, in the way of spiritual success. So listen, get ready to step into the river because they were. It's time to cross the river for all of us and possess our promised possessions.
God is faithful even when the river is wide. And I say this with you and you say with me today and every day, Lord, give me the courage to obey. I need the strength you give. Joshua was a man just like you, just like me. He was a human being like all of us. And God used him to do a mighty, mighty work. Get those people into the promised land and cross that mighty raging Jordan River. And they did it. And you can read on in the other chapters of Joshua just exactly what happened. But Joshua stepped out and did it. And they possessed their possession. Amen. And so can you. Amen. Let me pray with you right now. Father, I just come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for this sermon. We thank you for your word, God, that is life-changing. I pray that all of us would heed your word. All of us would grab this, heed it, listen to it, chew on it, meditate on it, and let it change us. And then we would all have this true desire to be people who are meditating upon the word, to really get into scripture like we never have before. We'll be people that will be quick to repent, to ask you for forgiveness if we're getting on a wayward path. We need to stay on course. We need to be obedient and live according to the word and all the things that are that is that is challenging, that, that is instructing us within it. We need to listen to all those promises, all that truth, and follow you, God, every day of our life in courage and faith to achieve and to possess all the possessions for which you have for each one of us. We thank you for this, God, right now, getting us through these difficult times ahead getting us through the difficult times now, but with you by our side, we can conquer anything. So we thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory and the honor for this in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining me today. I pray this has been a blessing to you. I I can't see how it hasn't been. But God is a mighty God. Don't ever forget that. He's with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is right by your side. Just walk in obedience. Live according to the word of God. Get it done in you and watch what God can do in your life. Amen. From this day on, live all out for God. Amen. God bless you. Mm